0: Oh, I forgot to press a button to start the music. Nice. This is not Nate Kimball. This is Sung Kim <laughs> taking the place of Nate Kimball. Um, and I don't know how to work this machine. So here we are. And I have a special guest today. Yeah. And next time, actually, too. So uh, uh, we're kind of diverting a little bit. Have a couple, some special guests here. Nate is out for a little bit, but he will be back and uh, today, our special guest is our very own Reverend David Collins. How you doing? Oops, wrong button. Nice laugh track. There we go. That's the one I meant. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> so he is the pastor of our Ann Arbor West uh, location, and um, I don't know. I think a lot of people know this, but you also you do a lot of work with um, the law enforcement, right? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah,
1: so I'm uh, the chaplain for my township public safety department, which comprises, at this point, uh, police and fire, and it's a voluntary role, but um, uh, my responsibility is to provide spiritual care for the 40 to 50 police officers and the 35 to 40 firefighters we have in our township.
0: Mm, Wow, that's great.
1: Wow, you you got the drops going
0: <laughs> I'm going to go to town with these little uh, things. Nate, Nate never uses them, so I'm going to use them. And uh, so today, it, go, going along in our series, uh, season four, we're, we're talking about different issues that we find in the Old Testament and questions. And so today, uh, you know, let, let's start off really broad. There are some people both inside, well, let's say outside the Christian faith, uh, that would view God as uh, racist or like favoring certain uh, ethnicities over the other. And, and they will use Bible passages or, or sometimes people within the Christian faith who will do the same and say, uh, yeah, this, this Bible verse uh, justifies, let's say, white supremacy or whatever. But before, before we dive into the Old Testament— um, Dave, you know, you the thing I I, I really uh, look up to with you in terms of your ability to do this is just your at, at least for us older folks, right? Um, and. and Uh, is your ability to like kind of scan the horizon of culture and really understand the different issues. And one of those issues, and I'm not in any way saying you're like a total expert in this, but you are more than I am, is in the area of uh, racism and race in general, especially as you uh, are a chaplain to law enforcement. And, you know, don't make any uh, assumptions or generalizations, you know, or politicize this, but uh, because Dave uh, has has traversed with not only law enforcement, but uh, people of color and things. And so, uh, can you just talk about maybe just the uh, current reality and problems of race in our country in this time?
1: Wow. Starting out with the small questions. Yes. Uh, you know, I guess what I would ab- just observe and part of the reason I wanted to become a chaplain and... and Part of my passion in ministry is that there is a lot of division right now. Um, I think people want to bridge across the divides, but they don't know how. Um, And that just creates conflict and misunderstandings and power struggles. Uh, I think it's really difficult for uh, folks who are white, folks who aren't, aren't people of color to sometimes understand the history and the narrative that uh, people of color experience and uh, carry with them. It's, it's sometimes really hard for us to walk in their shoes and see things from their perspective. And at the same time, uh, there's a lot of challenges uh, economically mm-hmm. that are, are going on out there, and that just creates a pressure cooker uh, for our world and for our culture, for our communities. So yeah, well, that's I, been my experience.
0: Yeah, and I know if you, as our listener, you're kind of thinking, well, I I know Pastor Dave. He he's a white guy. What's a white guy talking about racism? And and, and we understand that we're we're actually going to have another guest, another per, uh, person from Grace uh, who is not white, and will be speaking with us at a future episode about this very same issue. Uh, because it is a big issue in our country today. And so um, so you have, I know you have taken your staff here at, uh, at, in, the, in the West location through a book uh, during the whole BLM movement and COVID, walking through a, a book. Can you tell us about the book and wh- what's some of the things that you learned uh, going through that book, reading it, studying it, uh, praying through it? Like, What are some lessons or, or, or reflections from that book?
1: Yeah, the book was a uh, book by a pastor of a multi-ethnic church named David Swanson. It's um, called uh, "Rediscipling the White Church," mm. and what he what he's trying to to do or propose is that the issue of racism isn't kind of like an extra issue that you know certain people should think about, but it's a core issue of being a disciple or a follower of a Christ. So. Um, so he kind of approaches it from that issue. I think for us, w- one of the main takeaways was to to recognize, as he does in the book, like for a church like us, it's not likely that we're going to become all of a sudden a multiracial church um, or a multi ethnic church. We're a predominantly white church, and what that means for us is w- we have to figure out ways that we can. Uh, Communicate partnership and solidarity with people of color, um, and be sensitive to where they're coming from and understand that, and own whatever issues we need to own uh, as part of that. So, uh, it's important for for him and that book, and uh, and uh, and as I've read with uh, other folks, for for people who for white folks to talk about how they're feeling and what they're dealing with with race. And it was really important for our staff team which at the time was all white to just share our own experience in dealing with race, just so that we can put some things on the table and, and be honest and and talk with each other.
0: Mm, Yeah. Uh,
1: So that was some of the most important things that came out. And then to just understand that we, uh, there's just a, a level of sensitivity of learning to ask questions and listen and, and, That verse, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, like too often I think we just pass over that. So when issues of race come up, a lot of times on social media, on conversations, we feel like we have to either correct or challenge or um, somehow uh, defend issues when they come up around race when the reality is our first call as believers when we're talking with people is to listen and when there is issues of hardship or heartache or difficulty to, to, to just sit with that and recognize that and um, recognize that those are legitimate feelings that people have and legitimate experiences they bring. And it's not really our role to sort of correct that or somehow challenge their tone or um, somehow get them to a better place of feeling. Uh, really our responsibility as believers is to just come alongside of them. And and care for them.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and I would even say too, just as a as a something you said, I, I think West, uh I have not been here in many Sundays. Uh i reflective of probably the, the neighboring areas around here. Um and while West might be more predominantly white uh Ann Arbor is very mixed and so uh, when you said uh your uh, our church you're referring to grace west but i think as a network you know yeah like and in, in as a, in a, ch- a church in multiple, lo- multiple locations uh people from various different backgrounds ethnicities a- and cultures um here's a question so like richard dawkins which you're f- familiar with he he's a uh, kind of the new uh atheist he, he belongs to that group um, and in his one book um What's it called? Uh okay, Dave's like, I don't know. Um uh, does have a few books. He does have a few books, but in, in one of his more famous books, uh, he basically he doesn't ask a question, he basically stakes states categorically that the God of the Old Testament is racist. Um and I, I so here's uh a question and then maybe a response for you. Um is race important to God is the question. And then maybe a, a response to, uh, uh, so that's the one question. Another thing would be, I've heard or read of some Christians, and, and this is, I, I think, what Richard Dawkins would say, of, what, uh, of ways that Christians actually justify racism and slavery, for example, based on uh, the God of the Old Testament that he actually condones racial discrimination. So one, uh, is race important to God? And, and two, like, what do, what are your responses to kind of Christians who might say, well, you know, uh, the God of the Old Testament actually condones racial discrimination?
1: Yeah, well, let me take the first one first and think about the second one while I'm talking about the first one. I, I think a lot of times white Christians want to say that God is colorblind because— it helps us feel better about the racial divisions that we see around us. But the reality is Mm -hmm. I I don't think God is colorblind. Mm -hmm. I think God sees in color and he creates in color and that the different skin tones around the world and body types and features are all different ways that uh, the creator is reflected. So I think race actually is important to God, but not in the way that, we might think it is because when we think about race we we tend to think about divisions Mm -hmm. and I think when God sees humanity he looks at creation and uh, looks at a reflection of his glory so I think the the racial differences actually point us as a collective picture towards more of who God is so That's uh, that's how I usually Mm -hmm. respond to that question. I I don't know if you have a kind of response that you typically will will give when you hear that question.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I absolutely agree Uh, when people are like, well, I'm colorblind, then you're like you're not acknowledging the creativity of God and diversity that God created right and the other part too is does god care about race yes because you know the end at the end of time the new heavens and new earth what does it say like here here is this place and this where people from every tongue every tribe every nation uh like every continent every ethnicity will be together praising god and that is a full reflection of uh, of this new heavens and new earth. And so, yes, of course race is important in the sense of God uh, blesses it, God created it, and, and that's going to be the mosaic of our time in, in eternity in God's presence.
1: Yeah, I was thinking while you were talking about one of the most important statements on, on race in the New Testament where it says, in Christ there's no Greek nor Jew. And what's interesting about that is, um that's making a statement about our inherent dignity and the state of our souls with God, but it, it doesn't say that with Christ there is no Greek or Jew. It doesn't mean that different uh, racial differences cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it means that even though we see differences, uh, God's salvation is extended across humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that's really important to point out because a lot of times those verses in the new Testament are used to sort of pretend that somehow we're all the same on the outside, which we are, not we're Mm -hmm. we're different. And and that's a reflection of God, not a sign of our fallenness.
0: Right. And and so we would say as followers of, Christ and um, as a church, like racism ultimately is offensive to God uh, because it denigrates the image of God in each person and, and really uh, is is blasphemous to, to what, you know, uh, God's created order in this world.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's um, there's a really strong racial message in probably one of Jesus' best known parables, the Good Samaritan, which mm-hmm. is... A story of a Samaritan who bridged across a racial divide. We don't think
0: of it as race, though, right. that we, story, but it is. But
1: it is, yeah. and it's it's a story that calls us to to care beyond human divisions for people. Um, and Jesus' followers, they knew it was a racial story. And the f- the first person who heard that, the first people who heard that story, they knew it was a racial story. But for us, it it kind of gets whitewashed a little bit into just a story about
0: good works yeah because and and just a little context there samaritans were considered half breeds right right? and so like we don't get that but man i'll say this being korean american um and uh, while i don't get this like my parents their parents uh their, their animosity towards japanese for example, Koreans and Japanese. Like, uh, I, 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 really don't. I, I should know more about my own people's history. But, um, like during during the war, like Japanese soldiers would come and do all sorts of things to, you know, capture and, and really do terrible things to some Korean women. And so there's there's just this animosity um, that sometimes I even heard from my parents. Like there was, there was a season in high school when I da- dated a Japanese, oh no, in seminary, when I dated a Japanese girl. Oh my goodness. You know? Um, and it's not cause th- my parents didn't like her a- as much as like, a- a- and a- again, this is very Eastern culture, which is actually the culture that Jesus grew up in a uh, middle Eastern but like we we think half breed like yeah uh, aren't so many of us half breeds i'm like half irish and half whatever this or that but no man, like in, in that middle eastern culture where purity of genetics is so important like if if you're a half breed you're 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 considered like a bastard a bastard child yeah
1: and if you retold that parable and used any of our modern uh uh Words that we describe different people groups. So, if you just substitute uh, a white person and a black person, or a Japanese person and a white person into that parable, you get the feel mm-hmm. of how shocking it was. I I grew up with a family that I did <clears> Christmas and Thanksgiving with every year because their family and my family, all of our extended family, were uh, on the other side of the country, and so. We had these uh, holiday meals with this other family. The other family was Japanese-American. Mm-hmm. They had had families who had been interned in World War II in the, in the camps out west. Um, but I grew up with this Japanese-American family, and we were so close that we called each other cousin. They're, the parents were my aunt and uncle, and they called my parents aunt and uncle. Uh, then later in life, I... Uh, uh, got married and, and my wife's uncle fought in World War II and he had extreme uh, racial bias against Japanese because he, he fought mm. uh, against the Japanese. And, and I just had a lot of culture shock uh, talking with him and hearing him use words I'd never heard for Japanese people knowing <laughs> that I had an aunt and uncle who were Japanese. Right, It was difficult. Um, yeah. So you get a feel if you were to substitute uh, uh, the, the good, uh, Japanese, uh, traveler in for the word good Samaritan, you would begin to get a feel for the initial shock of, of that parable that Jesus told and the way in which, uh, he was trying to help people understand the, the spiritual values and how God sees the world. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So I've heard, I don't hear this much anymore, but back in the day, uh, when is back in the day? Um, Oh, a long time ago. (laughs) Before the flood of Noah. The glory
1: of the 80s or 90s?
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe the 90s. Um, uh, Certain Christians who, uh, and I'm going to draw from the New Testament and the Old Testament, so would say... Well, it's not like Jesus condemns slavery, and in fact, Paul doesn't either. There's a story of Onesimus, and uh, Paul doesn't condemn, like the owner saying, hey, you shouldn't have slaves. Uh, And so sometimes they'll say, well, therefore, uh, since God doesn't condemn it, it's okay. And then uh, the other one in the Old Testament is, um, uh, and and they're really stretching here, uh, and I'm kind of you know, giving it away a bit, but they, I've heard some people say, well, the issue of race started back in uh, Genesis 10, where the descendants of Noah were three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and that Ham, out of the three sons, were cursed because of some behavior he demonstrated, and uh, if you trace Ham's descendants, they are the ones that came from Egypt and parts of Africa, and so some again, white supremacists or you know will say, well, see, therefore, blacks are cursed, and <laughs> and that is the basis of their white supremacy, or uh, you know the basis for them being racist and being okay with racist as it connects with their faith. What would you say to both of those uh, issues? Uh, drawing from the New Testament example and drawing from the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, I think you've just articulated the uh, U.S. (coughs) slaveholders' spiritual values uh, right up through and beyond the Civil War era in the U.S. Those were exactly the arguments that were used to justify the buying and selling and owning of human beings. Um, so when people say, you know, the church is racist or, or God is racist, uh, they, they often have good reason for that because you can find those arguments and there's still people today who, who, to, who hold to them. So partly, that, you know, it, there's just a recognition that people have used the Bible to justify human trafficking uh, <laughs> uh, from the past right up into the present. Um so that for, I think it's always helpful to just acknowledge that. Mm. Um, I think the other kind of irony is that in a lot of those discussions, the conversation flows as if Noah and Abraham and Jesus and Paul were white people <laughs> right and, and, and the assumption is, oh, they're white people like us with blue person, eyes yeah, with and blue eyes. Who, who, <laughs> And I say us in quotes, whoever's making the argument, because I really only in my life encountered white people making that argument. I yep. don't know people of other races do as well. Um, so that's a little bit ironic to me because th- there were not a lot of white people actually in the Bible. So um, I think it's always helpful to start with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for me, where I tend to land on that is that Jesus coming into the world. Jesus came to as we were talking earlier today, to reverse the curse. Mm. Jesus came to um end the impact and the effect of sin in the world and on us, so to end hatred and hostilities, not just end the gap between us and God that's caused by sin but also to end the gaps that exist between us and so you see these very explicit statements uh in the life of the early church, about how Christ came to bring together what had been formally separated, um, what is often described in the New Testament as a wall of hostility, that Christ came to to break down those barriers to uh, bring us together into the household of God. So that's a lot of times where I start. And then when I look at the New Testament passages that do address slavery, my view on those is that they are that that Paul is actually introducing in those passages uh, a radical revisioning of society and culture that eventually uh, leads to uh, slaves being freed. And I look at uh, uh, the the letter to Philemon and the situation with Onesimus as a natural outworking of what happens when people's hearts and lives get changed by the gospel. So I see uh, in the New Testament a very clear direction towards the end of what was a commonly accepted practice? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, you'd had a, another take on that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, to build on what you're saying, I would say in the New Testament as well too. Uh, in Roman culture, if you it, slaves were considered property, and the way that Paul, so Anismus Ones- runs away, and uh, uh, this is embarrassing. I don't remember the whole story, even though I've preached on this before. Oh my too. goodness. <laughs> but but but, so he writes to Philemon the mat, the the owner of the slave one one problem is that we often uh project our American experience of slavery historically onto biblical times, saying well uh slavery in the New Testament was just like that uh and it wasn't secondly um paul th- th- paul is uh, reenacting a narrative where it is reversing the curse because uh, he writes to Philemon and says, Hey, you know, please, uh, you know, like th- there's, it's a plea for uh, mercy and generosity because in, in a culture where slaves are property, um, like Paul is talking about Onesimus, the slave as a person. And so even in, in and, and, and the relationship of master and slave uh, back then wasn't this um well it could be uh but in in some of these redemptive narratives it, it's more a a, a a it's more akin to and maybe this is blasphemous but like i imagine someone like bruce wayne and um uh what's his face his butler uh uh Okay, listeners, you're shouting it out. Yeah. You're like it's uh, Bruce Wayne and uh, Alfred. Alfred, yeah. right? There's there's an affection. There's a you know there there's there there's a um, you know, and, and for most of us, we don't have this framework for what what's a butler, right? Um, and and when we think of slavery back then, um, yeah, like there there were some brutal experiences of slavery but there was also and this is where it was reversing the effects of the fall and things like that where the narrative wasn't this one of like oh you're just property i'm gonna treat you like a piece of poop you know instead (laughs) instead you're a human and and the and and my faith in christ actually shapes um not only the treatment but also the way we relate to one another as master and slave as well too
1: yeah i mean i think there is there was a difference, uh, although, I, I, you know, when I hear my brothers and sisters in Christ who are not white uh, talk about that difference, th- they have emphasized, at least to me, that uh, owning people is owning people. And so mm-hmm. I, I, mm. I tend to not really want to talk as much mm. about the differences, because I think a lot of times that is used to sort of rationalize. Things in a way that uh, I I don't really think is helpful. Mm. Um, there were differences. I just don't think that uh, f- f- in the big picture, there's enough of a difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to 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 make a, a too big of a deal out of that, yep, from yep. my vantage point.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's really um, good.
1: I, I would say, like in terms of the Old Testament, I guess the the challenge I have is that. Um, there's, there's no specific linkage in what happens with the sons of Noah that somehow justifies or warrants the kind of treatment that's layered up on them. Um, it's kind of an old anti-Semitic trope to go after that. <laughs> it and is. So many other people have spoken about that and sort of shown reasonably why that's like just an untenable position that i I almost don't have much of a response to that because it's <laughs> to me it's just so archaic and almost laughable i i yeah you know i don't encounter it too much no
0: no, but again th- that's that's the the the, the the scope from which some Christians will have to kind of use a stretch of their imagination or interpretation of scripture to say, well, you know, because uh, again, in this day and age, like there are so many, and this is embarrassing to God's name and to the church, where Christians uh, in the name of Christ just denigrate, other races or people who are different and and we might think of like oh someone like hitler but man it's just it's all over the place here in in the united states and it's you know and for many of us it just causes like this head scratching um but for them they they do they 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 do that and and act that way based on their understanding of scripture
1: yeah and i still think uh r- racialized humor yeah um, and slights are n- not just tolerated but actually welcomed in a lot of pulpits and congregations yeah. and um it, you know that's again that's just an area where believers who think otherwise just need to speak up more yeah and right be more clear I think that's one of the reasons why in our speaking ministry particularly i'll speak for myself at west i i try to regularly make statements about that not because i i have some sort of political agen- agenda agenda mm-hmm. per se i have a gospel agenda to help people understand that a- addressing racism is not a side issue to following christ it's it's at the core of what the gospel is mm-hmm. and when we pretend like it isn't we, we just end up ignoring uh whole sections of scripture
0: yeah yeah. And it, like another example it's not necessarily well it, it is racism but let's let's talk about uh, xenophobia yep. because there are Christians huge po- pockets of Christians who are and, and this is not a political discussion so let's, let's not think it's, it's not about like the U.S. borders and all this kind of stuff, but they, they just exhibit extreme xenophobia, which is fear of the stranger. Like so immigrants, sojourners they are like, nope, you're not welcome. This is our country. It's kind of like this is God's country. This is our country, Christian nationalism. And uh, like in and uh, what yet yeah, when you look at the narrative of the Old Testament, uh, you see a very different story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had to have a conversation. We just finished a a bedding drive collecting sheets and pillows for Afghan refugees who are being resettled to our area, and I had a conversation with a person m- because they were concerned that they um might be viewed as being uh super political or that we might somehow like get in trouble with people because we were helping refugees and they needed to know like is it okay for us to do this mm. and um, this is a person who loves jesus and yeah. and they they personally were all for it, but they were wondering what the what the tone would be in the church or if there would be some problem and that just highlighted for me the the challenge we have where we can't even talk about providing betting for people <laughs> right <laughs> with without it becoming some sort of you know. Conservative or progressive issue, or left or right issue, when we've just got people who need somewhere to lay their head. Yeah, yeah, and we we you know for us the church it's no big deal to run out and get some pillows and sheets and get them delivered. But man, it's just to me it's so telling that we even have to have that conversation just to provide basic uh, uh, provision for people. Yeah,
0: and that just underlines how our faith has been sabotaged by politics.
1: Y- yeah and the foothold that our uh p- political conversations ends up digging into what what we view as faith where when again to go back to the Good Samaritan, the basic acts of caring for another person end up becoming uh political footballs for people is it's 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 abhorrent to the gospel, but it's right here in our church this is not out on some big social media grid it's right here in our congregation yeah
0: yeah yeah and so whenever you read through the old testament too you see stories of uh really yahweh god like he loves immigrants he loves refugees in fact jesus was a refugee (laughs) you know he was born in nazareth he was a refugee uh in, in egypt and you know so all those things right like and some of us have heard this like he's he's he was a refugee he was homeless all all this kind of stuff and we as christians kind of can kind of turn up our nose to well you know um this so instead of being xenophobic god is a xenophilia philia uh, uh, somebody who loves strangers now you're making up words again. i i i um so uh, again i i um this this is just the beginning of a conversation with with Pastor Dave about this uh, about racism. It's a, a, obviously a complex, nuanced issue, um, and I don't know if you have uh, if you have any last words before I kind of we kind of wrap up this introductory episode. We're going to have another guest next week to f- take us further into this issue of race and, and faith.
1: I mean, for me, the. You know, trying to come to terms with this has really meant just doing a lot more listening. I think when I was younger, it was me doing more talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) And now I found I just end up having to do more listening um, uh, to people of color, to white people. um, As people share their stories, you begin to understand that the issues of race and kind of where our ideas about race and ethnicity are rooted in our it's really deep stuff um not just about other people but about who we are and uh we 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 do best when we learn to listen best to each other in the church
0: yeah and and i think also to add to that too just to say like we i I think we're in a healthy spot when instead of when we talk about racism or or prejudice or anything like that you know we're not in a good spot if we think if we always think oh oh yeah those people out there who are prejudiced Right. Like, I mean, and we all have these uh, moments. Uh, Joe Rogan is going through this with, uh, you know, all the N words kind of being compiled. And I heard Howard Stern is, too. But I remember back in the days, too, and I'm not going to get specific, but like everybody in middle school and high school would make jokes about a certain country in Eastern Europe. You, you know, and, and I just think of those things and I would laugh at them. I would tell them it's just, you know, and again, it, it was a very different environment, very different sensibilities. And it's like, oh yeah, like we've all been guilty. And, and even if we haven't said them, like, man, I will tell you, I, you know, I, I do have biases uh, just from my own upbringing and growing up. And like, you know, um, while I, Yeah. I mean, do I discriminate? Uh, It depends on how you want to define that. But like, yeah, I I said this in a sermon once, but like, I judge people all the time. I love judging judgmental Christians, right? Like, let's just admit the worst thing you could do is like, oh, no, I'm not that That, that's not me. Right. And and, and then you put yourself in a place that is above learning.
1: Yeah. I mean, I when you were talking about that, I was thinking about how when I was, I grew up in northern Michigan, and when we traveled south on vacation, we'd go through Detroit, and I always remember we'd, we'd get into the city of Detroit going through on the highway, and then the, we had to lock all the car doors because yeah. we were in Detroit, and I, I understand why that happened, but in my mind, that sort of just put that initial feeling of fear of someone whose skin is different color than mine mm-hmm. in place, so that that impulse to lock the doors up, it's, when I'm honest, it's, it's still there. When I see people who are different than me, I, I, it, there's just an, a thing inside of me that starts to clinch up and just a little bit in fear.
0: Yeah. 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 So, uh, I, I already asked for any last words, but like you, <laughs> you, 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 s- you said listening, which I think is great. Any other tips? Uh, I guess I'll ask it this way as a, <laughs> white guy trying to learn and discover a- and uh, into this whole narrative of racism in our country. Any other last things that you would say to to help us take a step forward? I- and, and again, this is just from your own experience and opinion.
1: I would, yeah, I would say one thing is when you do listen, if you are listening and you have a relationship of trust, you're going to hear things that are raw and painful and hurtful and uh it's tempting to want to somehow stop that to stop that sharing to end that pain to somehow keep someone from being as raw and um that's not a helpful impulse that's that's more of an impulse of protection of yourself from having to confront raw feelings and when we do that, we end up making that moment of listening more about ourselves and about the person who's sharing. Mm. I guess the other thing I was thinking about while you were talking was, uh, how important it is to read or interact on social media or in real, th- real life with people who 180 degrees disagree with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who just have a completely different take, um, who say things that are offensive and hurtful, um, so that you, you have like a, a, a fuller picture of how people are feeling and thinking and what the contours are of that, because, um, d- you have things to learn from people who disagree with you yeah. and uh, there's no way to learn that except to interact with them.
0: Yeah. That's a really great point. I, I have one friend named Steve. He, he's actually a part of, uh, of grace and, um, He's black, and he's been a friend, and we've had these conversations even before the BLM movement. And the thing that I so appreciate is, one, we ask each other the hard questions. I can ask him questions I would never dare ask in public. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Steve, tell me about this. Why do you think this, or why, why does th- why does this happen? And vice versa. Hey, Sung, as an Asian man, like, how does this feel? So one, like, not only listening, but, like, uh, being in that place. And for him to say, yeah, this is what I've experienced, Sung. And like you were saying, the worst thing you could do is try to shut it down. And say, no, 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 that's not true, Steve. Like, this is, a, no, that's the worst thing to do. And yet, at the same time, and he's done this as well, too. And it's been really helpful. Because I remember giving a, a, a sermon on... Money and how money how we could become slaves of money, and he said to me, sung like you just use that word, but like for me, when you, you were, were use the word slave hmm. in a sermon, it triggers me. Hmm. I had never thought of that. you know and we talked through that. I'm like, you know Paul Paul calls him a slave of Christ, like how Steve, how do I navigate this? Right, so you're in a posture of learning, of discovery, of community. Um, we disagree on all all sorts of things, but we, uh, at the end of the day, we grab a meal together. We we, uh, you know, we're great friends, and and uh, yeah, what would it look like if not only across racial divides, but all 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 other kinds of divides, we just learn to to listen better to each other? Yep. Right. So, uh, that's all we have time for. We've, we've gone pretty long. And so thank you for joining us again. Let me see if I could work this button the right way and think we're supposed to close with some sort of music. There we go. We'll see you next week. Oh, wrong button. Yes.